0: Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Connell. Danny
1: Connell, back to throw versus Denver.
0: He's his tight end and Rajah Bell. Bell has done everything. Twenty-two for Rajah. It's all the future of football right before
1: your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me.
0: Alright, what's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell hanging out on a Tuesday. Uh, we got Welcome of... home, yeah, sir. Yeah, I am back. We'll break down my round at Beth Page yeah. in a couple minutes. We got the Warriors, their sweep of Portland. What does that mean? The Lakers continue to be a disaster. And, uh, FAU has a new quarterback. Uh, before we dive into my round at Beth Page. Something's been happening that's been bothering me. It happens a lot. of have Your I've shoulders noticed. are slumping. Mine are. I gotta do, I, I don't gotta know a better posture. Yeah. yeah. But it looks kind of nerdy. I'm trying to do, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out my posture. Uh, if you don't, if you want to know what it looks like, you can watch us on CBS Sports HQ <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast. Um, <laughs> when you are etiquette wise, uh-huh, sure. I not if I've done this before on the show with you. I know we might have done it in the meeting. Um, if you're, Coming out, who has the right of way in a entryway? The person coming into a building, uh, a bathroom, an elevator, a door, or the person exiting? Exiting. Always, Always. right? Always. I've noticed it's happening a lot and it's bothering me like so much that I want to say something to people. It's happened a lot on elevators recently. I'm like, wait, wait a second. What are you doing? Like you're supposed to let the people off first. I thought that was universal. Elevators are the worst. Like you,
1: I am at the ground floor. Yeah. You have to let me get off. force your way onto the
0: elevator. Right? Even if it's on, like, the fifth floor and somebody's getting on, you're getting off. It should always be the person that gets off. How do you feel about –
1: that is a pet peeve, clearly, of yours and mine. How do you feel about the – I'm a big door holder. Like, I'll hold the door, male or female, right? Right. Like, I think it's common courtesy. Yeah. If you're within, like, you know, five, six, seven steps, for sure I'm holding the door. I might even give you a little bit more if you look friendly. Right. You walk all the way through. Don't say a word to me.
0: What do you Uh, – You got to say Thanks but but do, would
1: you say something as the door holder? Would you be like, "Yeah, you're welcome," or do you just kind of <laughs> let that slide?
0: No, I would probably let it slide, but yeah. there might be a slide. I let it slide too. I let it slide, work. but I,
1: I got their kids. Like they're funny. These are little like twelve year olds on my basketball team. <laughs> One of them. Oh, yeah. I would wear them out if they're not no, saying thank these, you. These little dudes are like, if they hold the door for you. And you go by and don't say thank you. They'll be like, you're welcome. Like, they don't care. They're I like, I like that. Kids yeah. tell
0: it like it is. That's what we do. If it was kids, I would wear them out. If they didn't say thank you, right. I'd, I'd slam it right before they got through. I think it's huge, though. I teach
1: my boys, like, all the absolutely. time. Hey, man, let them go. Especially, yes. You know, Manners. They're, they're lost,
0: uh, lost art form. Uh, so we've got you covered here on Canell and Bell. All your etiquette needs right here. Uh, so the reason I was off yesterday... Is because I stuck around, played Beth Page yep. Black, the same exact course that the pros played from where Brooks Kepka got his, uh, I back to back. I threw all
1: into the bus yesterday. It looked oh, dark. They were showing nice Mark stuff. Immelman. Mark Immelman was <laughs> doing like a shot and I didn't realize it was from Friday or from Sunday night because right? it was really dark.
0: And I was like, Oh man, is it raining up there today?
1: Yes. <laughs> I was like, it's raining. His round is ruined. I was like straight hating. It like, was Ethan. supposed to, I think it, it did rain the night <laughs> before.
0: It was like 40% chance. Uh, teed off at 7.03 in yeah. the morning. Now, when you and I discussed this 84.5 number, and Mark Immelman was talking a lot of trash, was like, there's no chance you will do it. I was under the assumption that we were going to play up a little bit. You like, were in, we were going to play like... You're wearing Jordan golf shoes, man. Yeah, you that, know it. Those are kind of sweet. Although, they're kind of ruined now, which I'm kind of bummed. They're leather on the outside. Do you like that? I hate you. <laughs> the dance that was here on the, on the photo there. Yeah. Um Oh, that's messed up! Warning, plus eighteen. That was my final <laughs> score over uh, eighteen over par, which was kind of ugly. It got a little sideways. Um It was a blast. It was really tough. The eighty-four and a half number, though, I thought was going to be playing like up one tee. So you're on like five or six hundred sure. yards mm-hmm. shorter of a course. When I got there, the group I was playing with was like, "Hey, where do you want to play from?" I was like, "I'd love to play the tips, but I'll do the group thing. Yes. Whatever I don't, you know, I'll do whatever you guys want to do." And one other guy in the group, really good dude, he's like, let's, like, what are we doing? Why wouldn't we play the back? Right, like, right. Let's right. play the tips like they do. He's like, does it matter if you shoot 85 or 95 or 105? No, you'd, you'd rather, it'd be a cooler story to say you played from where they played from. Nope. you'd rather be able to say you <laughs> shot at 82 on the black. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, no, you would. Crazy. You definitely would. So our mindset was like, all right, let's play from the right, tips. Right, right. So we played from the tips. I was getting heckled by the, uh, the starter right as I was teeing off. He's like, you think you're going to shoot 84. You're crazy. Right. Like literally as I was stepping over my ball, so I had to step away. Yeah. You know how one you can just take the shortcut, Sure. right over the trees. Did you? You laced it. Bombed it. it hey and, yo, you know, it might have gone through them, but it got to the fairway. Had like a then wedge in. Yep. Had like a twenty foot twenty footer for birdie. Lipped out. Ooh. Easy par. I'm like, this is gonna be cake. Gonna I got I got crazy. all there. The next hole. Hit my drive in the rough like it was kind of a dog leg left number sure. two. Hit it in the you rough. Went I driver. I won't break everything drowned. Uh, oh yeah, I went driver all day. All right. I was, but it was a big mistake. Mm. There's a look at the scorecard. Mm. So number two, this is an example of, and then a double on three. The 235 Ooh. yard into That's the That's a very bar tough par three. three. I I absolutely blasted my hybrid. I have a two like a two iron hybrid. Yeah, blasted it. And was short of the green, right? Like, and, and then I had to chip up, and it went off the back. That was uh, that was a rough hole. That what was, happened that on the rough. par five? I figured on four, the par right. five. You could have been. That was the hole that we watched together. Sure. We were sitting right there, and at, that was actually one of the. So I only hit two fairways in my driver all day long. That's, that's tough. So that one I missed right, another missed fairway, but because it was where all the crowd was watching, sure, it was like trampled down. Yeah, it was down. actually like my best lie of the day, perfect layup. Mm-hmm. So I have. About 72 yards to the pin. And the caddy goes, you only want to hit this 50. I'm like, what? I'm like, why? He's like, trust me. Right in the bunker. No. So I... Went with the seventy-two because oh. <laughs> I was thinking, you know what? He doesn't know. Yeah, I can drop it right in there. Right. Went off that back, and it like this is the thing. Like I wasn't inspecting that. If I played the course today, like yeah. after, I would have realized some of my mistakes. That one, even though he tried, you to you didn't help miss me, in the right spots. Exactly, I didn't miss in the right spots in the right spots. So that was there. But the thing about it was, so only two fairways hit. The driver was sprayed all over the place. The rough, like, was the story, and that's what we said all week. Was the driver was going to be the most important club in the bag for yeah. the pros. Yeah. Brooks Koepka was second in driving all week. That's why it's a, it's if you could go out there and place in the fairway, which obviously you can't, right? But I, you could be like, man, you could be around par, right? Right, it's right. It's just so the penalty for hitting in the rough is like a hazard. Sure. Like you play here in Florida. I grew up down here. You hit it in the rough, you just rip out whatever club and just rip it, and it's like, oh, no problem. Up there, I could only advance it. About thirty or forty yards, and it was like a great. I would, I would swing. I would only take a pitching wedge. Like the caddy, we actually were on the same page on the front. So the front, I shot forty two, and I was just taking this approach like conservative. It was funny because I was talking to Debo and Mikey before the show, and I was like, "Did you watch uh, Tiger play on Friday?" Right. And if remember, Tiger was doing that all day long. So I was like, "Me and Tiger were on the same same <laughs> mindset." <laughs> all right, yeah. Cut, I, but I was, know, was right. actually doing the smart thing, punching like just ha-
1: as sure. hard as I could swing, what, and it was going forty yards. So what people don't realize is like the grass down here is a hard, stiff, bladed grass. Yes. So even when it gets wet, it doesn't really change the effect of the grass. Right. That up that northern grass, I don't know what it's called. Uh-huh. It's wispy. It's like – and when it gets wet, it becomes so thick and dense that it literally just grabs your club face. Yes. There's
0: nothing and you it can do with it. it sucks in the ball like, oh, to the depths. Correct, correct. Oh, it's sitting down. Like Definitely. our grass, it'll sit up in. Yes. Like, you, you could get in the rough and have that, that thing basically on a tee. I didn't have one ball that stayed up in the rough. They all went down. Right. It took a long time to find them, even though you knew exactly where they were. You'd spend like three minutes looking for them. One time, my caddy – stepped on the ball so, like, so he goes you know he goes you can place this now right And i was like really so i was like sweet maybe i like place it as gently like one inch over i placed it straight to the bottom yeah just tough. didn't work so uh, that was my round 88 if i played it again i would feel confident Look, i could break that score but i'll take it
1: break it 90 i take that all day on the black from the tips so no, don't, don't feel bad about that bro
0: all right so that was my disastrous day uh at of beth page black the warriors did not have a disastrous day. They actually finished the sweep of Portland. Uh, really impressive game to say the least. It's, they had now advanced to their fifth straight finals. Even without Andre Iguodala, even without Kevin Durant, even without Boogie Cousins, who I think we forget is even on the team because he hasn't been with them for so long. It's no problem for them. They go off. Uh, Steph Curry had 37, he had 25 in the first half, and surprisingly, he was going toe to toe with, uh, Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard! Uh, for Portland. But they just, they found a way once again to get it done. Now they have nine days to rest until the final start. I mean, there's, there's only so many accolades you can give this team, but they deserve all of them.
1: I mean, yeah, this is, I mean, you're talking about five straight finals appearances. You're, you're in a rare air now as, as a team. With your legacy, you're talking about, you know, even the Bo- the Boston Celtics with with Bill Russell and and, and those guys. What was it? Ten? Was it ten straight or yep. nine straight? But there were only eight or nine End teams. straight. There were only eight or nine teams in the league when they did that, though, Danny. These these. See, I, didn't,
0: are, I wasn't aware of that until you guys were talking about this morning.
1: Right. There are 30 teams in the NBA right now, and none of them uh, have accomplished the five straight. you got four straight with the Celtics. You have four straight with the Lakers, both in the 80s. And then the Bulls with three and three um, and the two-year gap for MJ. So, you know, this is something we've never seen before. And I... You know, the way this team is able to continue to kind of reinvent itself, I thought they would lose last night. I, I thought it would be close, but I thought without Andre Iguodala, you know, that would just be a little too much. they probably just take it home and win. Th- this team is made of, of, of championship metal. Like, I know it's cliche, but they just, they understand what's at stake. They understand the importance of... Of closing out games when they need to close them out so that they can bank that rest. The advantage that that rest will mean for them when they get to the finals. Everything that you need to know about a championship chase, they understand it and they execute. You know what I mean? Like they've been around that block. They've done that. And so, you know, when you have to close out a game, even if you're minus three of your better contributing players, they figure out a way to get that done because it's that important to them and everyone in the building understands it.
0: That's why every time we talk about the Warriors, whether it's the preseason, whether it's the all-star break, whatever point in the season, I'm always like, it's a done deal. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm pretty sure I said it on the show a couple times. Like, even if one of their guys gets hurt, they'll be fine. But I do think it's unique that you kind of have these... These three, Debo, I were trying to come up with a nickname for it because they have like the Yankees had the Core Four uh-huh. with them for all their World Championships. Uh, you have the Hamptons Five for them, but really it's the three: it's Draymond, Steph, and Clay. And you have right. the Splash Brothers plus um, Draymond, and they've been the constant that have been there, and they deserve like some of this, the majority of this credit, I think. But it is like, how do you explain the fact that they're seven and four in the in the postseason and their playoff stats seven and four with KD? Five and zero without almost every statistical category, they're up a little bit, not majorly. Is it like? But I, I'm not saying that Kevin Durant isn't the best player in the world or that he's not that good. But there is zero drop off without him, which well, is insane. The,
1: the way you explain it is, they like it is Steph's team. It's always been Steph's team, even when Kevin Durant came and Steph was willing to kind of share the spotlight. It always remained. Steph's team. Kevin Durant is a brilliant offensive player and he's, and he's just, I shouldn't qualify with offense. He's a, he's a great player. He's a very good defender too. But what, what makes that run is, is Steph Curry, then Draymond Green and Clay Thompson, right? Steph is the guy that makes that work. And I do think it's interesting and I think the conversation should be had that if Steph doesn't welcome KD with open arms, mm-hmm. Is KD the best player on the planet right now? Or are we talking about Steph Curry possibly being the best player on the planet? Like, do you know how selfless yes. it is for a dude like that who was on the trajectory that Steph Curry was on to say, nah, I can accommodate you, bro. Like, and not only will I accommodate you, but I'll bring you in and basically relinquish like control of this franchise that I have competing for championships every year and my MVP um trophies, and I'll let that go so that we can get that done. I mean, I, I don't know that we give that dude enough credit for for allowing KD. And I am saying not only allowing not,
0: KD. Not only do we not give him enough credit, he was getting knocked just a few weeks ago for his oh, for you know, his performance. Yeah, yeah, in the playoffs. it's like, right. well, where are his numbers? They're down. If you look at his numbers per 36 minutes played with and without Kevin Durant, it's been insane how he stepped up his game going from 20 minutes with Kevin Durant on the team thirty three. Well, in, in fairness, you or I didn't. You, you neither. No, yeah, I know. Like but like, didn't. it was driving me nuts that people in our business were criticizing him, saying, "Well, maybe he wasn't as good as we thought." I think he's better than we thought. Like, I think he, and he's still continued on that trajectory. You know, it would have been first time he didn't have his MVP. He was getting all this love. Was a breakout star with Under Armour. Like, was coming into his zone as one of the best players in the league. And I don't know what it was that people just didn't want to give him the recognition that he deserved and then right when he's about to really like challenge even lebron for one of the best yeah. players in the game kevin durant comes and as you said he like defers to him and kind of relinquishes his role as the ball dominant player on that team and then all of a sudden like the perception of him changes I, to me it shows a lack of knowledge like from people that criticize him yeah you know? for, well for, it's what you
1: some of its packaging right it's what yes. you it's what you're used to seeing what you're comfortable um uh, you know saying is great and he doesn't necessarily you know, from an aesthetic standpoint, check all the boxes, you right. know, not big strapping, like, do you know what I mean? Not jumping over the rim. You know, there are things that you're used to seeing a basketball player do that you would regard as the best player on the planet that Steph Curry doesn't do. And sometimes it's hard for people to, like, you know, shift the way they, they see things to some degree. But, you know, if, if you – if you're out there and you haven't taken account of what this dude is doing in Kevin Durant's absence, like, and you were one of the people that was knocking him a couple of weeks ago, uh, you, you need to tune in. Now, here's where it gets interesting for me, Danny, because I do think that without Kevin Durant, they're great, and they can do some really cool things. I don't know that you beat a Milwaukee team without Kevin Durant, and that's what Kevin Durant represented, and I said it from the very beginning when they brought him in. Did they need him? Not necessarily. They were good enough to win without him, but he's a great luxury to have. A dude at 6'11 that when all else fails, if they can figure out a game plan to to kind of neutralize Steph, Clay Thompson's not making shots, and they've for some reason figured out how to, how to, uh, the antidote for your, for your offense and your movement. Just give him the ball and let him get 40. Yep. Great luxury to have. Bucks, we don't even know if they're playing them
0: yet for sure. Oh, you know. I, oh, oh, you we'll, know. We'll see about that. Oh, you, you and I, know. You and I might disagree on oh, that you one know. too, because I think, I think it doesn't matter if KD's back or not. I think they're going to win it regardless, but we'll have a lot of time to discuss that. Yeah. They got nine days off, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, Portland, do you view this season as a success? Sure. All right, so how do you build on that success? Because if you look at some of the numbers, there's not much they can do to this roster with some yeah. of the cap restrictions they've got already committed to Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, who are a great backcourt, but man, they failed to really mount a significant challenge. They're too this small. Series.
1: They're too small, dude. Yeah. Like th- th- those two guys, uh, let's see. You got 61 in Dame over two, CJ McCollum, three for <laughs> They
0: have $126 million in committed salaries next year. 132. That's tough. You're paying Evan Turner...
1: Moe Harkless and Myers Leonard. Okay, so here here's what happens. Damian they will, need to hope
0: that the Warriors break up. Like that's what they're
1: gonna have to do. Yeah, but then you still gotta play um probably Houston and right. and, and the Lakers will be getting better. So as you're currently constituted, right, you have a a lower ceiling than the rest of those teams. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe they're pretty much at their ceiling, or they were at their ceiling against Denver and to some degree um Oklahoma City. Right. Both of those guards are cooking. They're giving you big monster numbers, um, and they'll carry you as far as either one of them can. But they're smaller guards. You saw it a couple years ago with New Orleans when Drew Holiday really got up and, and was physical. And then they had Rajon Rondo that could match up with the other one, and they gave those two dudes fits. And if you don't have anyone else on that roster, and they do not, they can get you buckets. They can play make a little bit. I mean, Evan Turner can, but Evan Turner's... Evan right. Turner's not an $18 million a year player. Sorry, Evan. Right. Like, good for you. Right. Sorry. Um, they need another guy, a 6'7, six, six. Hey, you know, a Kevin Durant. They need, no, but <laughs> right. I mean, not right. a, a poor man's version of Kevin Durant. Someone out there on the wing with some length. Some athleticism, some skill level that, that can, that can balance those two small guards out a little bit. Yusuf Nurkic, it would have been interesting for me to see them because admittedly I didn't watch all year, mm-hmm. but to see what they look like offensively with, with Yusef in there. I mean, if he's a very gifted big man, kind of like, uh, you know, Nikola Jokic-ish, right. that, that, that a could be story. the answer. I don't know that, but what I saw from them in this playoff run is, too small and too much of your offense has to go through those two small guards.
0: Let me ask you a question. I know it might sound stupid early because the Houston Rockets gave the Warriors more of a challenge in their series. But over the next three years, whose roster would you rather have Portland's or Houston's? Cause I don't think it's, I think so too. That's what I thought. Even though like, I think you're getting Chris Paul is getting older. Hurry. And he looked bad. Yeah, exactly. He was starting to look bad already. And, but Either one of them, though, I don't think is going to knock off the Warriors until the Warriors get broken up. I'm, and I don't know if that – like, if, if Kevin Durant leaves, I think it makes them more susceptible. What we were just talking about, like, as long as they got Draymond, Steph, and Clay, they're still going to dominate.
1: They're Yeah, they're good. They're really good. Now, Chris, they're locked into Chris Paul for oh, – Right. That's one of, actually, that's, you're not getting rid of that. And that's, right. It's the last year of a deal and someone wants it. But, um, you know, you, you've, we haven't even talked about teams like the Denver Nuggets. Right, who are getting super, better. Super young. Yep. You've got pieces over there, like in, in Michael Porter Jr., that was a steal, I think, in, in last year's draft, because he was coming off the back, that you, that's not even a free agent acquisition. That's cheap money that's gonna come in and, and add to some of that youth and some of that, you know, um, uh, explosiveness explosiveness offensively. I just, Isaiah Thomas' teams. Isaiah Thomas was great, yep. right? Um, you know, the, the, those small guards, you know, don't, unless you're pairing them with bigger, more strapping people that can get it done, small guards are going to struggle in the playoffs when they start swallowing that whistle, when they're not giving you a march to the free throw line. And so you can have one of them, mm-hmm. but when all of your scoring, all of it is predicated on two relatively small guards and how they go from night to night, you're putting yourself in a really precarious situation if another team has the answer for that. Yeah. And, they, and the trapping, you know – I found it interesting because I did watch like last night a bit, and and Portland was making an effort to trap. They if they go back and look at that film, they didn't execute well. Myers Leonard, for as good as he was offensively, you know he wasn't attached to his screener, you know his offensive player, and so Steph Curry would come off the screen. When you're when you're trapping a guy like Steph Curry, you want to be up, you want to be above your man if you're the big. So when Steph's coming off of that, he's looking at your chest. He can't get downhill on you. Once he turns that corner and he even gets one step coming downhill at a seven foot big, his man's got hung up on that screen a little bit because the screener kind of rolled into him. That's essentially a one on one with you and Steph Curry. That's a recipe for disaster. Right. You gotta be up, attached, up the line, make Steph take two steps that way. You slide with him. The guard can slide with him. And, and now you've got some action. That's what they did to Dame Lillard and, and Portland didn't execute it well.
0: Truly, it's, it's, it's
1: saddening and disheartening to think he believes things are a misperception. I have talked to him several times since he decided to step away. We've had many joyful conversations. In fact, two days ago, we were reliving the combine and the fourth pick and talking about the great future that this franchise has. So these things are surprising to hear and disheartening. Um, but I look forward to the opportunity to talk with him and sit down with him and work through them, just like in any relationship, because um, they're just simply not true. I, I stand beside him. I stand with him um, as a colleague, as a partner. Um, I've always supported everything he's done and will continue to. Um, and, you know, I think
0: that's the best way to address that. All right, that was Lakers uh, GM uh, Rob Palenka. It's amazing to me how much he looks like rob Lowe, but not like the rob Lowe that plays the villain like you know the rob Lowe that they kind of make yeah. look goofy the grimy rob Lowe. yes that's yeah. what he looks like and that's what sounds like magic thinks he is grimy i i missed yesterday because i know you guys got to magic johnson's comments on first take i love it because i've called the lakers a dumpster fire on here basically with magic came on, he took like a, a gallon of gasoline and threw it on yeah. top of the dumpster yeah, yeah, fire yeah, 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 yeah. just to make sure it kept burning and exploded even bigger right um I will give Palenka some credit because he did take the complete high road because Magic threw him under the bus big time yesterday, and for him to just kind of blow it off and say, hey, we had a great time together, and we did this, and it was great, and I I just talked to him two days ago, So there's it is so screwed up. We have not seen a franchise this dysfunctional, Like, in a really, really long time. They might be the new standard, the new gold standard for dumpster fire. He was a lie. He
1: was a lie. One of you mofos is lying, bro. I don't know which one of y'all is lying. One of you is a lie. Because you can't sit up there and tell me, oh, yeah, like, you know, we stand together. We stood together. We're partners. I've supported everything he does. And then Magic be out there saying, like, hey, dog, my man is a snake. Right. It can't be. One of you fools is lying. I tend to believe Magic. I I, look, I know. Well, Magic doesn't have anything to lose. He's got nothing to lose in this. <laughs> he came out. He quit his job. He said, "Yo, y'all can have this. This is not what I want to be doing right now." But let me tell you what that looks like inside the building. <laughs> and from everything that we've got since Magic's left around the coaching search and around you know everything that they've been trying to pull off, it would lend me. Uh, it lends itself to me believing that it is a mess and it's a true mess. And some of the stuff that Magic talked about, like some of that you know insubordination and stuff like that that's that you know those are messy things i i believe
0: magic uh i believe magic a hundred percent i think there could be some some break in the communication clearly um because i could see a circumstance where Jeannie bus who has referenced magic being like family she's idolized magic right she wanted him to come in and help run the organization she would do whatever it takes so she's like magic I'll let you do whatever you want. Just come and just come work with us. It's good. We can help us recruit LeBron. Right. So I think that was probably one of the main reasons she got okay. him in there. And she was probably. You like, don't hand him a president's job to do that though. But I think she did. No, I, I think that's what I'm, that's what I'm alluding to is like she gave him this opportunity to do this. And she was like, I don't care if you still vacation for five weeks. Right. I don't care if you go to the white, go to the movies with your wife on Sunday. I just want you to be the face of the franchise. Help me run this thing. Yeah. So he agrees to it. He's like, yeah. Then Rob Polinka is hired as well. And he's probably busting his tail like most GMs do. Right. Working, grinding, you know, meeting with scouts and doing all this stuff. And every time he comes to the office, he's like, where the heck is Magic? Right. You know, and he didn't get the memo that Genie said Magic can do whatever he wants. And I could see that starting to fester behind the scenes and him getting, you know, irritated and irritated. And then you, I see, I could totally understand are, how this are, unfolds.
1: There are a lot of ways to handle that. First of all, you don't hand somebody a president's job. Um if,
0: <laughs> that's the like, first, yeah,
1: yes. Just to recruit someone. Secondly, if you do hand him a president's job and you fully understand that he's not going to be grinding it into office because you should have known that, right. um, then you make that clear to Rob Polinka, who's under him. Hey, look, he's your boss, but he ain't gonna be in the building every day. Your job is to do X, Y, and Z. Thirdly, if Rob Polinka starts to to grumble and gripe and go above magic to you about it, as the and this is where the buck stops. It's with Genie. If you're Genie, you have to say ah. Don't come in here with that bull. right? I already, I already told you that this is what it's going to look like. I don't want to hear any griping and crying, Mr. Rob Palenka. This is what Magic was going to do. He's still fulfilling his obligation to the Lakers, if in fact he was. All right? And do your job. Or you can keep it moving. But what we're not going to do is we're not going to start stabbing each other in the back, and there's not going to be dissension within this organization because you're coming to me uh, about something that I already know. So the, the buck stops with Genie. Yeah, like, th- This thing has been run poorly from the top. And here's the thing. About, about culture, Danny, and I talk about culture a lot. Mm-hmm. Within a building, culture is set from the top. It's, it's, it's not just a word. It's a way of life. It's, it's the way you conduct yourself on a day to day. It's, it's whether you're going to be detail oriented in everything you do. And that, trickles down right so then the people under you understand man that's the way my boss handles this this is the way I got to handle this and the people under them understand and before you know it you can walk into someone's building and everyone is in lockstep everyone understands the way you're approaching it the Lakers have no real culture and no direction and that starts with Gene
0: so we got this Lakers organizational chart. Genie Buss the head, she's the owner. Rob Pelinka is the GM. Tim Harris is the CEO. He was mentioned in uh, Magic's press conference. Jesse Buss, another Buss, assistant GM. Joey Buss is the G League. Now you have Frank Vogel. You know he's not on there? You don't have, uh, your boy Rambus, Kurt Rambus and Linda Rambus, who Rambis. had a voice in this thing. You probably don't have, like, the head of the ticket sales, who also probably has direct access to yeah. Bus, and she listens to Phil, Phil Jackson the was involved uh, in that. Absolutely. Phil the Jackson's chart. there. Like, there's, that's the thing. Most organizations do have a flowing, you know, an organizational chart yeah. It shows the top to the bottom. Yeah. The problem is, it's like, it's Jeannie Bus, and then there's not really a chart flowing down. It's like a circle all around her, and they're right. all like, ging, 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 they're all like coming at her, right. and she's willing to listen to them. You ever like she's them? out there just like, yeah, okay. And then one day, Linda Rambis comes in, and she doesn't like Ty Lue or whatever it is, and so she's like, yeah, that makes sense. And then the next day, you know, whoever comes into our office and says, no, I love Frank Vogel, and so she's right. like, okay, let's hire him. Like it's just all these different voices, and none of it makes any sense. And,
1: um, you know, Magic even kind of touched on it a little bit um, You know, yesterday when he gave his press conference about there being too many people with a, with a voice in that. Again, that's another, that's another leadership thing.
0: Absolutely.
1: You, You have a small circle of people that you, who's, who can have your ear when push comes to shove and a big decision needs to be made. If you start listening to every voice that wants to have an opinion on, on a topic like that, your head starts to spin. You can't keep clarity and you start to, you know, lose focus on what you should be focused on and that happens way too often you know with the Lakers and you know I I don't have any beef with Genie or the Lakers like I, right. I I don't really care this is just my take on what I'm watching happen out there but if you can't run it and you can't control it then get out of the way let someone do it who 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 can But
0: she's never going to do that well, I mean, you no, know, like, I mean, I, I wouldn't either if I was her. Like, you're the owner of the Lakers. Like, you're not, she's not going to sell the team. Magic, although he did say he would like to buy them. Yeah. Um, it's just she's got to, somebody like needs to give her a business class. Like, Hey, how do you well, run she a she doing that. Either. <laughs> like, you <laughs> no. know what I mean? Like, But so... you would think it's sometimes she's got to have like a little self awareness and say, hold on a second. This has become an absolute laughing stock of the NBA. And that's why that's why I think Magic is trying to, See, I'm trying to get after, like, I wonder if Magic just likes being in the spotlight still and being a buzz and, like, having all this, you know, conversation about him. Or is he genuinely trying to help the Lakers by airing out some of their problems saying, man, this is how bad it really is? I think it can be a little
1: bit of both. Yeah. I Clearly, Magic loves Magic. I mean, yes. there's, I don't think we can debate that. Um, but I do think somewhere in his heart of hearts, like, Magic got a glimpse into the way things are really being run there and was like, this is a mess. And we talked about it yesterday. I can't tell you. For certain that Magic is a great president in an NBA. I know that he's not a great coach in the NBA. That's yeah. been, but I also know that he is a very astute businessman and a lot of what he touches in the business sector, um, turns to gold. And so that's essentially what, what you're, what the capacity in which you would want him, you know, dealing with the Lakers. Cause he's proven that he ain't going to do it at the coaching level. And I don't know that he wants the grind of being the on, the, on the, you know, day to day on the field. Uh, uh uh president, but purely from a business overall perspective, how we're gonna run businesses, he does that very well. And so maybe, you know, if she wants to lean on magic, it'll be less in the president's capacity and more in the overall, like how do I clean up my business capacity?
0: So you got Frank Vogel who was announced that day. I mean it's a it's a comical how bad their timing is, how everything comes oh, out Magic straight he's straight like uh sabotage that thing. Oh yeah for sure. So now that. you've got free agency is you know a couple months away. It's in July. What? How hard is it? Can, like, is there enough time to salvage this and make things look uh, better than they do now in the course of six, seven weeks? Um, they, yeah. they have to if they're trying to allure different, you know, the big name free agents. They want to make a run. I
1: don't know how much this deters people from coming to to LA as, long as
0: that check still clears the check, <laughs> the
1: weather. Yeah, you're in Los Angeles. The starlets, like all of that, still exists, and you still have LeBron. Yep. Right? So all of those things are going to speak to people. The market is the market. You know, Lakers can be a mess, and it'll still be attractive to, to most guys. They're going to be looking at whether they can win a championship and whether LeBron represents their best avenue to, to a championship. You know, whether they can get the home in Malibu or Manhattan Beach <laughs> or wherever that is that they want, and whether they get the max contract. That's what they're going to be looking
0: at. I mean, Frank
1: Vogel has got to be. That's, that's. Uh, I mean, Jason how... Kidd will be the coach of the L.A. Lakers. Before long. Frank We're... Vogel had to get back in the game, right? Right. Frank was out. He needed to get his name back in the game to, to you know, once you're, you got to be back in before they'll give you another job sometimes. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yep. so you get your feedback in and then maybe you can go somewhere else. That's going to be Jason Kidd's job at some point.
0: Yeah, sure feels like it. All right, welcome back to Canell and Bell. So the Minnesota Tim- Timberwolves, I keep struggling with that stupid name. Man. It's Minnesota not that hard. Uh, the T Wolves, they have decided to keep Ryan Saunders in place, make him the full time uh, head coach. Uh, with some of the younger players input, including Carl Anthony Towns, um, they're saying, Hey, we like him. We've had a good time with him. Let's keep him as our head coach. They announced it. He's 33 years old. My first thing when I see this is, Oh, there's no way this guy gets this job 33 years old if it wasn't for his dad being a, you know, Bro, Lifer, in come on, bro.
1: He's been an assistant coach for 10 years already. Which and means he
0: got a job when he was 23 years old okay. as an assistant coach, which does now, not happen in that, this league. That may have
1: been um, because of his dad being Flip Saunders, but he's earned his keep. Right? You think he has ten years? Why? Well, I don't have any proof to say so he hasn't. Well, a ten year many assistant, many these... you should probably be up for a for a head job if you're any good. <laughs>
0: yes, but don't you think that's the whole reason he's in this position? Is and I like I like Flipside. Son- he was at ESPN. And he did some, I, like I liked it. I think nice. your dad. I'm sure Ryan's a good dude. Like I'm sure, like Kyle Shanahan, good kid. Yeah. Like I'm, he was on ball boy. Right. When I was in the Broncos. But let's say guys- your son. Let's yep. say
1: your son, right? Yes. It's quarterback. Yes, you could probably. Probably, if you really wanted to, get him on the team at, at Florida State, right? Like probably, walk on. Yeah, yeah I would bird, hope so. walk on. Yes. Like you get him on the team. Yes. If he ain't no good, they ain't going to start him, are they? No. No. I you would could not. get – so Flip could get him in the door as an assistant coach before he probably should have gotten in the door as an assistant coach. I'll grant you that. But I don't know that you continue to stay around on people's benches for 10 years and then ultimately you know, get the head job just off, off daddy being Flip Saunders.
0: Uh, all right. I would st- – I think you, you make a really good point because you're not just going to be handed the job. It's not like he hasn't been paying his dues. He's like, done that. But I look at some of these other ones like Lane Kiffin, yeah. the youngest coach in the, uh, in NFL history it was a disaster with the Raiders. Right. His dad, Monty Kiffin, obviously a lifer in the NFL coaching ranks as well. Uh, Kyle Shanahan just mentioned some of these other ones. Kyle Shanahan still remains to be seen how good he's going to be right. as a coach, but he's had his opportunity. I just like when I hear that term nepotism, I think professional sports probably are the most guilty of name association. If your last name is somebody who was a good coach, Mm -hmm. you are going to have always have a job in the NFL, NBA, major league baseball, whatever sport it is. And I guess, I don't know, like Uh, I totally hear you. If I was, if I had a son, I would absolutely, if my daughter wanted to be a broadcaster, I would be saying, Hey, I'll call up all the people I know at ESPN, CBS, Fox, all of them. And Hey man, remember me? I got my daughter. She's 23. She's looking for work Yes, and hopefully I could get her in the door. And that's, I guess that's just how life works. That's life. Yes. Yeah. That is life. I, I,
1: now the jury is out on, 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 uh, on, on Boy Ryan. Ryan? yeah, and whether he, do you have you know, a
0: problem he, at all that, like, it's, a, it's, it, I don't know if it would be a red flag, but I'm a little bit cu- uh, curious that he was so strongly endorsed by his players. Why? I don't know. Sometimes your players like you a little too much. It might mean that they're walking all over you. And because of the way Jimmy Butler talked about this team in general, the younger kind of soft players, I mean, he basically called them out. Right. Like, I wonder if they like having a coach who's friendlier and nicer and isn't going to drive them that hard.
1: Well, just because they like him doesn't mean that his style won't produce. So I think that remains to be seen, right? The jury's out on whether that's style. um. It's probably it is probably a lot different than the way Tibbs, but Tibbs is on the right. other <laughs> end of that spectrum. Like Tibbs yes. is a grind you out, like take years off of your career type of coach. So, wouldn't be surprising that that, that Carl Anthony Towns and, and Andrew Wiggins would respond better to a younger guy with more of a today's approach to to, to the work that, that it requires and and the rest that they're giving some of these guys. But I don't think you can make a determination on whether that's a good or bad thing until you see the way they come out next year and play. And his seventeen and twenty five after replacing Thibodeau, right? That that's a mess. mess. You, yep. you know, you inherited a mess. So you, you know, general manager, they got a new GM, a uh, new president of basketball ops. They've got to do the job in terms of getting the right pieces um, that are complementary to some of the stars that you have in place. And then you start to get your culture in the building. If you're Ryan Saunders, continue to develop that. And then you can make a, make a judgment on him through half, half of next season. Like first half of next season, I think you've got a good enough sample size to say, okay, they're, you want to see that they're playing hard. You want to see that they're playing together. You want to see that they're competing. I I wouldn't even basic, I wouldn't even judge it off of wins and losses that, that quickly into next season. I would just want to see that we're headed in the right direction.
0: If you have as much money as they have committed to Carlton Towns and Andrew Wiggins, uh, I would probably want their input too. Correct. (laughs) You know, like, because that relationship is really really important as we've seen some organizations if the coach isn't on the same page as the players it becomes a disaster and it's contentious and usually the coach gets run off pretty soon if it doesn't work out
1: well, that's fantastic those dudes are making that much money and I, and I think <laughs> it's fantastic but neither one of them has won anything
0: no no they're robbing I mean this is this is robbery nah, but I, mean, I shouldn't should say that no, but a I, lot I, of dudes hey, in the NBA I stole a lot of money from the NFL it wasn't anywhere near that much yeah. we're all stealing at some point those guys yeah. are just stealing a little bit more that's a lot of bread <laughs> there's a lot of cake in. yeah uh, all right. So we we're just talking about Lane Kiffin and uh how he got his first coach job. He is the head coach at Florida Atlantic University right down the road in Boca Raton mm-hmm. that he has really embraced. We we did our podcast only special on last chance. Uh-huh. He's embraced FAU as the destination. That's not a junior college. Absolutely. So he's taken in all kinds of guys. Uh, I don't know troublemakers is the right word sometimes, but sometimes knuckleheads, sometimes guys who just weren't good enough. Some, it's all different reasons, but he'll go out there, he'll tweet at people. It's a hashtag come to the FAU. Yeah. Not come to the U, it's come to the FAU. Yeah. Um, DeAndre Francois was at Florida State, was a pretty good player, tore his ACL, got killed while he was playing quarterback because his offensive right. line was atrocious. Then gets sent packing because he had a domestic violence issue. There was a videotape. Supposedly, it's kind of, but he's he's owned up to it. He's apologized for it. So you're assuming there's something there, obviously. And Lane Kiffin takes him in. Do you have any problem with FAU taking in DeAndre Francois or anybody else that has serious issues or more, not just academic issues, but histories like this? Um, I do not support domestic violence. No, no, that's go without um, saying. Uh.
1: I don't have a problem with them taking DeAndre Francois, and this is why: when you're at a school like an FAU or an FIU or any of these like you know smaller mid-major type of schools, you're not getting a DeAndre a DeAndre Francois normally. Do you know what I mean? You're not taking you're not getting a swing at a, uh, a Zion Williamson. They they are just. You're, they live in your city, and they they won't even look at you. Do you know what I mean? So this is your only real chance to have a talent like that come and help further your program. And so sometimes when you're those schools, you have to roll the dice a little bit more on character. Yep, chasing talent, and that be, that's because you can't otherwise allure that type of talent. And some of these guys, you know, w- given the second opportunity, not all of them, but some of them given a second opportunity, you know, wind up turning it around. Uh, not just on the field, but off the field in terms of uh, of their personal life, getting their degrees, and so on and so forth. And if you can help facilitate that for a young man and in the process get a talent that you normally wouldn't otherwise get, then, yeah, I support it.
0: I'm all for redemption stories, Uh you know, for guys that can make mistakes, own up to them, and change their lives around. There's got to be some place for them to do that. Now, if, you know, if some people would say, what are you talking about? It doesn't have to be football. Like, you don't have to give them back football. I realize why does football have to be taken or basketball or 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 no but like why does it have to be I don't know because I think football and being in a team atmosphere with very a lot of structure a lot of discipline can be a good thing for somebody now I do think and I'm sure that Lane Kiffin and FAU have a pretty tight policy with DeAndre Francois hey we're giving you this last chance yeah you got no strikes you got no strikes and this is what's going to happen uh because if you look at it DeAndre Francois was pun like he was kicked out of Florida State Mm -hmm. like he's He's good enough to play at a Florida State or a Power Five school, and now his punishment is he has to go to FAU, which you know there could be worse punishments, obviously. But I, I'm all for giving kids chances. You know? I,
1: I am too. I, I hate the conversation about
0: I, a I don't know. sentence like he should I, never play again or yeah, never uh, be allowed, just as it
1: pertains to sport. And this is a bigger conversation. If you're telling me that someone has has done something so egregious that they should be in prison, okay, right. Put him in jail. Absolutely. No problem with that. But if it's not to that degree, why do why taking away a sport? Like, do you know what I mean? Why, why is that gotta be the punishment for it? Now, you know, again, I support, look, bro, he, he did something that bad and he gotta go to jail. Right. Like, you made your bed, you lie in it, but I never understood the, oh, he should never be able to play again. You, I,
0: I don't understand that. You're, see, that's where I think all the outrage gets misplaced because we get mad at coaches, we get mad at teams for signing guys, giving other opportunities. What about the justice system? If they weren't put in jail, if it was failed there, why aren't we mad at them? Right, right. I, I, it's displaced correct. Because that's my
1: thing. Like, dude, put him in jail. If that's and I'm not lobbying for DeAndre to go to jail. I'm just no, saying. if right. If it's if it didn't warrant him going to jail, well, why the hell should he be with, not able to play his sport ever again?
0: Right. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with him at Florida Atlantic. Does he get? I hope he does. You know, I hope he does get things changed around. Maybe he can help other guys not make the same mistakes he did like eventually that's what we'd all like to do is prevent domestic violence correct maybe come out there and be a voice in their side uh, like Ray Rice has become on a lighter note why can't we get Last Chance U to film FAU? <laughs> like, they've yeah, embraced really, it. That would be pretty entertaining. Like, I think they need to do that. We need a Netflix special on FAU, and it can be season four or five, whatever it is of Last Chance U. It can be FAU. I need to go down. I, need, I checked out a
1: game at FAU FAU last year. I really like their setup. Oh, it's gorgeous. right down the street from my house, yeah, too. Yeah, FAU is starting to do some cool stuff, too. I saw some unis uh that they put uh, out. Like they, they were like a pink chrome face mask and stuff. Butch, and those guys got it rolling. So I got to go down and check out an FAU <laughs>
0: All right, welcome back to Kennell and Bell. Bucks-Raptors game four tonight. We were just talking about 80s movies. (laughs) (laughs) Can't Buy Me Love, which you just brought up, might be the all-time. Patrick Dempsey was in that. Trying to be the cool dude. That was so Favorite epic. Line. Was I say good. that. I you, say know that the, line you know, line like the sh- my wife all the time. So it was <laughs> when we were in high school. Which one? <laughs> he went from like totally geek to like totally sheep. Like, <laughs> I, was, I don't know why It just comes no, out it's nowhere. Oh, it's I, one of the I, all-time I, like, lines. Yeah. <laughs> I was in high school when I was going out. Yeah. Do you remember their high school it was like in Arizona? Yeah. I wanted to go. Like I would tell my parents, like I want to move to Arizona and go to that high school. I think it was Tucson or something. Yes, yeah, it was gorgeous. It was out there, unbelievable. Remember he took her on the date scene to the plane graveyard. Yeah, maybe like, that's right. that was pretty mac but that's that was a great, a great movie, movie. Uh, all right so we got to do uh, actual sports and then game of, uh game of thrones recap uh bucks raptors i'm mad at you guys all of you guys that are on our text chain debo coca you what happened because last night it's about a half hour before the game i'm like who's gonna win the game tonight i was like more importantly who covers in this one? Does Portland have a chance? Nothing. No responses. You Games know I'm hit
1: or miss on the, uh, the yeah, on the but I would have led you, else was quiet, I would have right? led you astray. I would have told you that Portland might get him last that's, night. That's,
0: that's what he I bet too. Yeah. So that one did not come out, uh, too well. Um, what about tonight? Bucks, Raptors. It is game four. Milwaukee is a three point road favorite. Cam- oh, are they? Ponto, yeah. That's a little bit surprising there, isn't it? That is a little surprising. I'm seeing. So Debo has two and a half. I'm looking at this side as three. It's two and a half, three points. They're going to win. Toronto
1: is going to lose. Milwaukee is going to win.
0: Really? Yeah. All right. Really? Uh, so you think they get back on track? I mean, shoot, it did take them double overtime last time. And that was that. G- I actually bet that game taking the down 2 0, you're home, your back's against the wall. There's a desperation there. And they had took them two overtimes to get there. Two overtimes.
1: Everyone for Toronto played well. Everyone. Yeah. Giannis had 39. Pascal Siakam had 25. Marcus Gasol made an appearance. Like he went back in the time machine to like 2012. Um, Norman Powell jumped up with 19 points. Just about everybody played great. And on the flip side of that, Milwaukee pretty much everybody played relatively bad. Giannis had 12 points. Um, uh, Chris Middleton was in a slump, three for 11. Like and they went double overtime. Right, they barely made any threes. I'm Milwaukee is my pick tonight.
0: All right, and covering the two and a half or three, whatever you get, take it. All right. I'm gonna hold you to it tomorrow. <laughs> if it doesn't hit, I'm gonna hey, be riding here like crazy. Oh, hey, maybe Toronto. I don't know. No, <laughs> no, I'm no. going with Milwaukee. I think. I like that Milwaukee. one. I like that one too. All right. Game of Thrones. I missed yesterday. I knew you and Tommy, Tr- uh, Tommy Tran did a little bit on it yesterday. I thought it was trash. <laughs> I thought it was a disservice. And I, I don't like the trend on social media where everybody's just bashing the final season, the last episode, the finale. I don't love it. But I feel like it's all justified. Like I'm like totally okay with it. And I get it's like some people are so annoyed by it. They had the million uh subscription or a million petitions. Signatures. I want to sign that. Yeah, a million people signed. I thought it was petition. corny as hell until I saw the last episode. Now I need to sign it. Right. No, because no, the last episode was corny as hell. Like that's what the last episode was when uh Sam Tarley, whatever his name is, is up there saying, "Why don't we let everybody vote?" And, yeah. Like it just made no sense. I Come thought on, it bro. was a spoof. I thought it was like a Saturday Night Dude, Live
1: spoof. They thought it was a spoof. I I saw some article with Brand, whoever that actor's name is, said he got the script and he he read it and was like, "Is this a joke?" And he was, and the the, the writer or the director was like, "No, it's not a joke." And he, yes. like, "What the what?" Like that. That's how everybody felt. And I, here's my beef because I've been coming here for weeks saying. You know who likes who likes the season so far, and I've been like, no, I'm out. Right. Everyone's like, oh no, dude. I you was gotta- kind of on the same too. Coca's like a Game
0: right. of Thrones defender.
1: You gotta have some perspective. Like you just gotta <laughs> love it for what it is. Like it's gotta wrap it up. Bull stuff. That's been a total mail in from the very jump. And and look, I get that the first whatever uh seven seasons were based on actual like material. Yes. You had the wrong mofos going in six and seven. Six was, I mean, or, or what, eight and nine? What are we in? Eight and nine, right? Yes. Like, eight wasn't awful, but nine has been an absolute train wreck. And they just, of shows, of show ends, right? Yes, Like, the ones that, like, I didn't really love the Seinfeld end. like Right. When they were in the but it wasn't, it wasn't awful. It wasn't awful. Yeah. Right? Like, you can have your own, uh, what was the one, the, the uh... The, the it's another HBO show, Sopranos.
0: Yeah, like that was weird. It was co- weird, it was controversial, but it wasn't awful. Like right. this was awful. And on it was all so accounts. different. Like when when again when he presented the book, the Songs of Fire and Ice, which also happens to be the name of the book series, it's just it's comically bad. How awful it was. Bro, I don't make me angry. No, I, I know make, it like, is. I act angry in here sometimes. Don't well, get in angry. That, Alright, did you see but uh, but your girl, Sansa Stark, did you see what she said? The real what is her name? Sophie Turner? I think that's her name. Uh yeah, she said, Hey everybody shut it. Because all these people worked hard and they spent all this eleven months out of the year doing this final season eight, she said, "Leave him alone, so let like, it be. You hush your mouth." All Man, right, like, really? That's where we're going with this. Thing, we're going Grant. with <laughs> We're going with brand. We're going with,
1: with Arya Stark, the baddest mofo on the yeah, planet, just, just on a ship, right? She's gonna go explore. I didn't. I
0: didn't mind John. Like, well, I, no, that, I was, that was the one thing I saw coming, which was very predictable. I actually liked the fact that he got her, and yeah. like, because it was so out of character for him. Like, he's Mister Loyal, would never stab somebody in the back, and then he liberally... Straps are in the stomach. Yeah, like, but I oh, even just- thought
1: that could have been like a little more of a climax type of deal, right? Like I, I don't know, man. I don't I I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't either. But it's done. It's over with. That's it. Those are years of my life. I never get back now.
0: Lost. That's your Game of Thrones recap by Canel and Bell. hope I'll miss you. you. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Sign that petition. <laughs>